Welcome to So You Think You Can Belto. I'm Jessica Harper, a soprano and hot beverage enthusiast based in Antwerp. And I'm Jeremy Bolton, a coffee-obsessed lyric baritone based in Munich. (laughs) Jeremy and I have created this podcast to empower emerging artists across Australia and the world with access to the direct knowledge and relayed experiences of operatic artists and practitioners. We aim to help inform emerging artists with this podcast resource and to hold a mirror to the opera system so that artists can make their own individually informed decisions about auditions, competitions, engagements and more. You'll hear everything from in-depth artist interviews to long-form panel discussions on topics concerning emerging artists. Welcome back to So You Think You Can Belto. I am soprano and hot beverage enthusiast Jessica Harper And I'm here with the very lovely Karina Bailey, and I'm going to read a little bit about her first to introduce her. So Australian soprano Karina Bailey grew up in Adelaide, where she completed her undergraduate in classical voice at the Elder Conservatorium of Music in 2014. Karina made her debut with the State Opera of South Australia in 2016 as Papagena in The Magic Flute at age 23. And shortly after that created the role of Elaine Lamb in the world premiere of George Palmer's Cloud Street. Karina played and covered a number of roles during her several years at the State Opera Company. In 2018, she began her opera master's studies at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, Glasgow, under the tutelage of Kathleen McKellar Ferguson. Role highlights at the Conservatoire include Lucia in The Rape of Lucretia, Barbarina in Le Nozze di Figaro, Soprano Trio in Travel in Tahiti, and Sir Constance in Dialogue de Carmelite. Karina moved back to Australia for the pandemic years and during this time won the Royal Melbourne Philharmonic Aria Competition in 2022, second place in the German-Australian Opera Grant in 2020 and was a finalist in the Sydney Stafford Opera Scholarship in 2022. Between 2020 and 2022, Karina worked at Opera Australia in Sydney primarily as a chorus member. She's now living in Linz, Austria and has been working full-time at the Landestheater Linz Chorus since September 2022. At the Landestheater, she's also played the roles of Magna in Gräfin Maritza, Una Donna in Rinaldo, and Barbarina in Le Nozze di Figaro. Karina, welcome to So You Think You Can Belto. Thank you so much, Jess. Great to be here. Thank you so much for coming. And for the, the listeners, if, if you're interested, Karina and I met in what feels like 100 million years ago. I think it was in 2014 <laughs> at the Pacific like Opera yeah. Young Artist Program. So yeah, in Sydney, it's a lifetime that ago. was a time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you grew up in Radelaide. That's fabulous. The wine country and the yeah, and the, yeah. the Adelaide it, yeah. Festival. Country. It is a beautiful place. I love Adelaide. I love South Australia. Um, unfortunately, it's just not a huge amount of of opera work going on there. But it, yeah, as a place to grow up, it's amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. No, I've heard that it's it's sort of it comes alive when the festival's on, but the rest of the year it's quite chill. Yeah, Would you say that's, that's exactly accurate? right. Yeah, <laughs> festival time's amazing. Yeah, everything's happening then, but yeah, it can be a bit quiet at times, for sure. Yes, definitely. Fabulous. Okay, well, so we've heard a lot about how you grew up and your early the early parts of your career in, in your bio. What I'd love to start with with you is your master's in Glasgow. What sure. made you decide to go to Scotland and how did you find it? What did you learn yeah. Tell us yeah. Cool. So um, I think a lot of things kind of lined up to lead me um, 
to Glasgow to do my master's there. Um, one of the main things was that um, my wonderful teacher, Kathleen, um, she has family in Australia, actually. So she had done a lot of visits, made a lot of visits to um, Australia and Adelaide and uh, done some master classes and um, we were able to get lessons with her. So I got some lessons with her uh, way back when I was, I don't know, 21 or something like that. And so I knew her all the way back then and, and just thought she was amazing. Just had this really, really great connection. So, you know, what they all say is like, go to do your master's for the teacher, not necessarily for, for the school uh, itself. Um, but that's how I first sort of had that connection with it. Um, and then a few other things lined up as well. Like I, I just randomly met uh, a student who'd just finished there um, in Italy on a summer school of all, of all things. So yeah, so a few other things like that. And um I just had a feeling about it. I just had this sort of gut feeling like I, I need to go there. Um, I think I always wanted to do my master's somewhere. I just heard it's a thing that you do. <laughs> not As that you, you have mean to do somewhere it for sure. not in Australia, just somewhere Correct. else. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought about you know everything I thought about the US too expensive um I thought about Europe and I thought eh, you know my language skills weren't good enough at that stage to really do that. Um and yeah there's just something about the UK that just I don't know felt like the right place for me um I looked at London looked at a few other places but yeah just something really lined up about uh Glasgow as a place to live as well it's it's amazing so yeah I found it was just I don't know a little bit less intimidating than London I guess a lot of Australian singers go to London to do the thing there and which is amazing great good for them but uh yeah I, I think yeah Glasgow was just perfect for me Yes, I totally get that. There's really something to be said. You know, of course, we're all drawn to big cities because there's lots of opportunities there. But if you can go like somewhere just to the left of that, that's slightly smaller, but still has a lot going for it. I also have found every time I've done that in my life, it's worked out extremely well. So Yeah, you know what? Yeah, Yeah. I think that's exactly it. And like, so for my, um, in my year level, there were 10 of us. There were just 10 people in that intake in the opera school. And I'm not sure if it's like this, but what I've heard is in the bigger places, like in the London schools and stuff, they take a lot, lot more, a lot more Mm. students in. So I feel like we got a lot of focus. We got a lot of opportunities for roles and and that sort of thing. And yeah, just being that little bit off the the beaten path, yeah, you just you get other opportunities that way. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I mean, it's much better if there are fewer of you because, as you say, yeah. you know, if they're putting on opera scenes or or full on opera productions, you're much less likely to feel that you're battling your colleagues for a good role, yeah. and that's yeah. really good. That means that you can certainly create a much more familial, collegial environment. I think absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And as you said, you know, you moved for the teacher specifically. So that's really special. Did you have lessons with her before you moved? Um, only very few, sort of only those ones in Adelaide when she came to visit. And I think one time at her place, yeah, when I went to Scotland to, to visit. So I actually went there just to check it out, see what Glasgow was like. Um, I got yeah another lesson with her then. And to be honest, on that visit, actually, I, I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I can live two years here. Like, it's so rainy and gray yeah. and <laughs> can I really do this? But then, I don't know, I guess I, I went into the college and I just, yeah, I just felt so at home there. And just mm. so it was so welcoming and everyone I met there was so nice and um, so supportive and encouraging. And yeah, I just, yeah, that kind of sealed the deal. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's amazing. Well, there's something very comforting about sandstone and also oddly about bagpipes. So I can see why. <laughs> I'm, I'm yep. Scottish five generations back on my dad's side. Yeah. So, you know, I, I get it, man. You know? I, I'm sure I must be somewhere along the way as well. I mean, look at me. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's got to be in there yes. somewhere. <laughs> We're all Gallic, all of us somehow. Yeah. Yes. So how did you, um, did you find the cost of doing a master's in the UK? Was that achievable for you? Did you apply for grants? Did you get support? Did you work while you were studying? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was a tricky one and it is not cheap. That's mm. for sure. So when I said the US was too expensive, it is very, very expensive there, but the UK is pretty hefty as well. Mm. Um, I was extremely lucky. So I got a lot of, um, I got a lot of scholarships and support from my parents as well. And actually from my partner at the time too. So I, I had a lot, a lot of support and uh, some competitions as well. There are a few competitions in, in Adelaide, which um, if you win them, they, they're sort of in, in scholarship form. So to mm-hmm. do something like that. Um, oh, and from my university as well. So the Elder Conservatorium, they, they do offer um, uh, kind of scholarships for, for further study after you finish your undergrad. Um, so that it was all a bit of a risk, to be honest, because some of those things had not been confirmed yet. Some of them hadn't come through when I actually accepted the place. And, you know, I sort of thought, OK, yeah, sort of the first years, more or less there, more or less covered. And and I wasn't really sure how it was going to um, finish it, <laughs> how I was going to achieve that. Um, I just sort of hoped that something would fall into place. And um, it didn't really to be totally honest, it was tough. And yeah, and that's also when COVID started as well. So COVID happened just as I was about to finish my last um, semester there. So um, so I was still having to pay my fees and mm. I wasn't really getting any, any uh, anything for it as well because everything was canceled at that time. Um, so that was all a bit uh, difficult. Um, however, the college allowed me quite a lot of extra time to to pay the fees so they were really great and they gave me a long like I think two years or something it was that I could basically have this debt to pay off and I just uh worked really really hard (laughs) during the COVID years and just paid it off so yeah well good on you I mean I I can't say I agree with that necessarily if you weren't getting educated I don't see why you should have to pay the fees but yeah their their argument was they were giving the course in online form however it's a it's an opera performance yeah uh, masters and you know Mm. I, one would argue that uh, you can't really deliver that on online formats. So, oh, I, yeah. no, you can't. Like, you simply can't. I agree with you. I yeah. mean, I'm not about to take the Royal Conservatory of Glasgow to yeah. court yeah. over this, obviously. But <laughs> if you're doing something online, yeah. you should you should halve the price yeah. when it comes to yeah. I mean, it was a very music. it was a tricky time, and like, I I don't mm. blame them or anything because no, no one knew what we were doing. No, yeah, everyone was just trying to the do, best, and everyone was struggling and, and freaking out a bit. So you know, I was just grateful to get that extra time. Actually, and they did offer me um a, basically a year of uh, continuing ed as well, which meant that I could um get a, another year of lessons with my teacher. In, oh, like, brilliant! Included oh, okay. in, in that well, fees, they're so, in the clear now. Yeah, <laughs> it took a bit of pushing back, you know, to get that, but it it worked out. Um, no, that's really you know, good. so that everyone Look, was that happy. That sounds like a really good solution. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's right. You know, I think I remember we were talking around this time because the all of the Australian singers who are on this side of the equator, I remember during the pandemic years, we were all talking a lot and checking in with each other a lot. Yeah. And I remember you telling me, yeah, I'm actually going to go back to Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, so did you, I mean, did you sort of see the, the wood for the trees and think, okay, I think I'd rather be with my parents? 
Um, <laughs> well, funny story. So to be honest, I did not want to go back. I did mm. not want to go back at all because I, I had that last um, well, last trimester actually of, um, of studies. And uh, in, in my bio, you read that I did the circonstance. Actually, I never got to perform it because right. the performances themselves were cancelled. So, yeah. Um, so I, I had this thing coming up that was, you know, the most exciting thing um, that I'd ever done, really. It was just yeah, and that's be the a most great amazing role production. Yeah, such a great role. Yeah. And, Exactly. And um, so I had this thing coming up and I was like, this is the most exciting thing. And then I'm going to, you know, jet off to Europe and start my big career there and it's all going to be great. And then, yeah, COVID happened. So I was in so much denial about the whole thing that I just, I didn't want to move. I did not want to budge from my my beautiful life that I'd sort of built over there in the UK. And, um, and it was my parents really who saw you know, <laughs> who made me see reason in, in the end. Mm. And they said to me, look, this is a really big deal. We think you should come home like now. And, mm-hmm. um, and my, my dear mother basically, uh, uh, said, I will organize the flight for you. If you can just pack a bag and get on it tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> and I cried for about a day and, uh, yeah, drank, uh, like a bottle of wine or two with my housemate and tried <laughs> to decide what to do. <laughs> And yeah, then about midnight the night before I packed my bag and left all my stuff there, basically just packed one suitcase and, and, wow. um, and headed home. So yeah, I did not want to go. I was very, very resistant, but in the end, uh, it was the, absolutely the best decision. Um, so mm-hmm. thanks mom and dad. Yeah. You're very wise. <laughs> yeah. Some sh- short term yeah. trauma for some long term yeah. gains. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. No, but that would have been, yeah. Well, cause I mean, you know, my I was at the the Glyndebourne Cup. I'd just done the semifinals and my mum was with Mm. me in the UK that week when everything shut down. And I was sort of feeling a bit uneasy about it. And I had a flight that Thursday and we were in London. I looked at mum and I said, you know what? I actually think I'm going to go back to Germany tomorrow, which was a Tuesday or something. And, you know, my dad rang me and said, look, if you want to come to Sydney, Mm. you know, same thing, same deal. Like, you know, we'll work it out. You just get on a plane It's because this is not good. And I rang Joseph and I said, listen, um, you know, I mean, which is also nice. I thought, well, I just want to be with Joseph. I don't really mind which continent it is. Um, And I said, are we staying or are we going? And he said, well, I think we should stay. I'm not done. And I said, yeah, I also think we should stay because I'm not done either. And this will only take three months, right? It'll be fine. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so I, I got an early flight. I just bought another flight to Germany and we were in line getting passports checked and the guy behind me said, oh, they're closing the land borders in Europe from midnight. And it was like 8 p.m. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. it's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, wow. it's so many, especially those of us who are overseas, I think without, without the bulk of our family and support networks in Australia, Mm. over on this end where the pandemic was already starting to really smash into things because of course as we know in Australia it took another six months <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah it was world. definitely yeah. that that moment of you like okay do I make this work but yeah. you know it's yeah. wonderful that you you're an example of someone who you know you didn't want to leave and you but you did and you've made it work extremely well for yourself mm. so uh, before we get into talking about um, the wonderful things you achieved during the pandemic years. Can we just circle back a little bit? Because I noticed in your bio, and I know this because we're friends as well. Um, what uh, what have uh, you done in terms of summer schools uh, in your yeah. career? And can you tell us a bit about which ones were great, which ones were not yeah. great, if you're happy to share? Sure, sure. Um, so I have done two uh, summer schools in Europe. Um, 
both of them i'm very very lucky to um have won uh, some scholarships to do them so um one was through my university where i did my undergrad and the other was um, through a competition in adelaide so um very lucky to have done that so the first was uh called ames it's the american institute of musical studies i'm pretty sure in graz (laughs) yeah yeah that's in in graz in austria and uh that was in 2015, I think. Um, I think it was when, yeah, when I knew you um, back in the Pacific Opera days. And that was six weeks. Um, basically, you don't do any um, actual opera productions. It's more just training. It was very intensive training and, and concerts. Mm. And that was amazing. It was an amazing mm. experience for me. Um, it was exactly what I needed at that point in time because um, I think mostly it showed me uh, what a big world it is out there and how much I really had to learn, <laughs> like how far I really had to um, to go because sort of being in the little bubble of, of Adelaide basically until that year, um, I didn't really have a clue what it was like out there, what it was like to make a career out of this and uh, what the competition's like as well, to be honest. So, um, I mean, I met amazing colleagues there. I don't really see them as, you know, my competition but it just seeing the level of other young people was just mind-blowing and a lot of them were so much younger than me too already doing their masters or their second masters and I was like what is this <laughs> so, yeah the age of four yeah, years old very, very like, how did you fit fish. this in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah only yeah. 20 how did you do it I yeah. know <laughs> they're crazy yeah the Americans I'll tell you they just they just like study machines um, um and incredibly um technically proficient as well the, the technique training there is just amazing so I was like whoa I have a lot to learn so that was just a really good reality check for me um and and I learned so much, you know, it was it was six weeks of very intensive training where I could just focus purely on on that um, and on developing my singing and and my language and, and stagecraft and everything. So, um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Um, probably my favorite part of that was um, my coaching sessions. I just had a really wonderful um, coach there. And, you know, it's just amazing to work with great coaches, as I'm sure you know. Mm. So, um, but yeah, it was it was all an amazing experience. Um, and then, you know, the partying and being in summer in, in mm. Europe. So that's <laughs> also pretty Yeah, and great. Graz <laughs> so. is the most glorious city, especially yeah. in summer. It's, it's just green yeah. and there's this huge mountain, small yeah. mountain, big yeah. hill in the it's middle of the city. It's just the yeah. most extraordinary <laughs> yeah. city. Yeah. I haven't even, I have not even been back there since I've uh, been living in Austria, but it's on the on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day when I get some free time here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been mm-hmm. busy. Yeah. And then the other summer school was in Italy in 2017 uh that was uh called the it's actually called cosi which is pretty cute uh the center for operatic studies in italy um it's a canadian company and similar kind of thing so you know a lot of canadians going there but people from all over really um and that was one month and oh sulmona is just a hidden gem it is such a beautiful little town i don't think anyone's really heard of it before but it's just gorgeous like hidden away in the in the valley and um yeah and uh we put on two productions well i mean people were either in one or the other production but i was in um l'elysia d'amore i played adina for that one so suddenly it was like from the previous summer school it was suddenly like 
taking a step up and being like, hey, I've improved since then. Now I'm playing the lead role. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think, yeah, it was cool to see that uh, progression, I guess. And um, yeah, so performing a whole role in Italian for an Italian audience, it was, yeah, an amazing experience. And of course, like lots of pizza, pasta and wine and good coffee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, time. no, sounds dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Did, was the teaching in, um, so I've been to Ames as well and it was likewise for me, absolutely phenomenal we had a lot of german lessons you guys were had german as well at the time but all the tuition yeah. was in english is it was that the same um thing? yeah so in the in yeah in the austrian uh course we had german class every morning so five days a week um and then yeah the rest of the tuition was all done in english but um we also got the opportunity to like um, audition for German um, agents even. So like, and do like kind of mock auditions and stuff like that, where we'd learn to audition in German. So that was super useful as well. And I've had to actually do that plenty since then, <laughs> um, which is, yeah, very cool. So yeah, and then Italian was a similar kind of thing. We'd have like our hour of Italian class every day and then the rest was, was done in, um, in English. So yeah yeah that's awesome okay that's great so it meant you could also go to the supermarket and order your yeah. coffee and in the local yeah, language sure. that's, yeah, yeah no it was it was good actually just like and then you know if you wanted you could practice a little bit with friends and stuff like that but yeah mostly you, the social stuff would be mostly in english so yeah yeah did you had you studied any german before austria or any italian before italy yeah, um, my Italian's pretty rubbish, um, <laughs> so that was on the on this the dodgy side. But I'd studied French all through school, so just having a little bit of that, and then you know, I guess uh, like the opera opera knowledge of Italian, um, which you know we all learn plenty of Italian just by singing it so much. Um, you know, I could get by okay with basics. German, I I already spoke. Um, well, okay, <laughs> I already spoke a bit. I had some basics because I'd done an exchange, so I was incredibly lucky back when I was sixteen years old to do a four-month exchange in Germany I had no idea that I was even going to pursue this um, kind of career and that it would actually become so useful um, but yeah now now I'm working in a German-speaking country so it's um, it's very yeah. very good thing that I yeah. had those basics and now I can just sort of build on that so yeah absolutely yeah. fascinating okay so when did you just just to jump on that point when did you decide or realize that you wanted to be a professional singer Mm, ooh, <laughs> good question. So I, th I think it must have been some time during high school because I'd always sung in choirs. So I think I started singing a choir from about the age of 10. And I, I don't come from a musical family, not, not particularly anyway. My mum did a bit of like choir singing when she was younger, but um, yeah, definitely not really a huge thing in my family. Um, so yeah, I just did choir and a lot of singing that way. And I, I got a singing teacher at about the age of 14 and I just loved it. I just really, I just thought, yeah, this is just fun. Every time I was doing anything to do with singing, I would just have the best fun. And I thought, what if I could just do this all the time? And I just imagined a life where I didn't have, you know, didn't have to go to maths class or science class anymore. I could just sing and just do music every day. And I was like, hmm, okay, maybe that's possible. Oh, look, you can study singing at university. I guess I'll do that and then just see what kind of job I can get doing singing. I really had no clue what, what that actually um, was going to look like. But uh, I, I sort of discovered my path just by, I don't know, just following what appeared in front of me and I just um ended up being an opera singer so amazing yeah. I mean so was there a moment that that it clicked or did you just sort of find yourself 
doing opera and you thought, this is great, I'm going to stay here? You know, I think it actually was, I wanted to be a musical theatre singer. <laughs> That's actually oh, we all it. Did, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's probably where it starts for most of us. So I think uh, when I was about 16, I saw some musicals uh, in London on the West End and I just watched them up on that stage and I thought, I have to do that. I have to be up there on the stage doing that, what they're doing. That's my life. And then I realized, eh, I can't really dance. So that's unfortunate. <laughs> you kind Not of need I. to be able to dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. All the music theater wannabes who can't dance going to opera. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it wasn't really until about halfway through my undergrad that I um, even knew really what opera was. That's when I did this. Uh, I did a Swore Angelica. I was in one of the tiny, tiny roles in, in Swore Angelica, and like a kind of amateur um, production in Adelaide and that was my first ever opera and then I just loved it and I kept doing more and more along that sort of track really and yeah um, so yeah it was actually halfway through studying classical voice at uni that I thought oh maybe maybe I could have an opera career and you know <laughs> when I was studying there um, I did a musical like an amateur musical at that time and so one of my colleagues there in the musical said, oh, so what, what's your plan? You know, what's your, what's your goal when you finish, uh, finish your studies, finish your undergrad? And I thought, oh yeah, well, and I was like 18 at this time, right? I finished my undergrad so young. I finished at 20, 20 years old I was. So that's, you know, a little bit mm -hmm. too young to be like an opera singer. I did, a baby, I no yeah. yeah. But anyways, this girl asked me, um, what do you, what's your plan? What are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to finish my, um, my studies in, in a year or whatever it was. And um, yeah, then I guess I'll, I'll just audition for the state opera. And <laughs> this woman was like, oh, but that's not really a, it's not really a full-time job though, is it? I was like, oh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I had no clue. So yeah, I mean, there is a state opera company in Adelaide, but it's, you can't work there full-time. Like there's really, there's almost no such thing as a full-time opera job in Australia, basically, mm -hmm. unless you're one of the lucky people that are in the Opera Australia chorus in Sydney. So yeah, I had no idea, but uh, it turns out if you want it, you can do it, but it's probably gonna be overseas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a really key point, absolutely. Oh. Okay, so can we circle back then? So you finished your masters, you've had a traumatic flight home, and so when you we've we, you know you learned how to bake bread or whatever you did in the first six months and then so how did you come to auditioning and uh, working with Opera Australia in the chorus? Yeah, so ah, what a crazy time that was. So, mm, so definitely for probably the first six months or so, I just moped and drank wine and you know yes. <laughs> felt sorry for myself like most as, people as we all did yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but however actually I think I worked a lot on my technique during that time and actually just having having a time of no pressure vocally no pressure I guess like I didn't have to I didn't have to work towards anything I didn't have to perform I didn't have to prepare recitals or whatever it was just like okay you have all this time available so I worked a lot on my singing and uh, and how it happened was I basically posted on Facebook and said, hey, people in Australia, I'm back. Surprise. Um, if anyone wants to catch up or reach out, whatever, um, feel free. And uh, somebody, a, a colleague that I'd, I'd worked with once in Adelaide, 
uh, messaged and said, oh, you're back in Australia. You should, um, you should sing for Opera Australia. Um, here, here's the contact detail if you want. You know, I, he's a mate of mine, the chorus master, and just get in touch and have a sing for them. And I was like, meh. Nah, I'm not good enough. They wouldn't want me, whatever. <laughs> I know, stupid. Like, you know, I should just uh, <laughs> believe in myself a little bit more. But I, I did. Anyway, I just contacted them and said, hi, I'm a singer. Just done my master's and I'm back here now. And can I sing for you? And yeah, I did. Uh, they arranged an audition for me at my convenience, like sort of in, in the next two weeks or something. I was like, okay, that's cool. And then... I pretty much straight away I got the the offer for a chorus in La Traviata on the harbour so yeah you know how OA they do these the big uh, on the harbour productions every year the Hosh and uh, that was my first job with them so and then just sort of kept rolling from there yeah brilliant okay so it wasn't a full-time contract though it was it was it was project by project they kept rolling yeah yeah so I was essentially employed as as like an extra chorus member so Mm -hmm. um generally yeah if people are working there it will be a contract uh, sort of a yeah project a project uh kind of basis um and uh, yeah unless you are one of those people that have the full-time job there but a lot of the time it's it's extra chorus so yeah that was the first one and then I didn't know what was happening after that but then I got offers for the winter season as well um which unfortunately was then completely cancelled because that mm. was middle of 2021 as I'm sure you all <laughs> uh would remember and uh yeah so uh, and then after that yeah just they sort of kept coming so and I was just lucky enough to get sort of more more and more chorus work and um oh and then I an- ended up doing um their schools tour as well so i was in uh, cinderella in the touring production uh for most of last year so yeah fabulous amazing okay so it worked out really well do you think Mm. that i mean because i remember growing up in australia i always had the impression that if you go away to study abroad overseas and then you come back you have this there's something a little more exotic about you and people Mm. notice you a little more and probably Mm. you've had a much more comprehensive training which I would argue that you do get on this side of the world just because of the proximity to different countries and languages and cultures which is essential for opera and you know understanding poetry and things would you argue that 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 helped you do you think or made you feel more confident in your auditions yeah I think all of those things really so that was always my goal was to do the study overseas work overseas for a bit don't know undefined amount of time and then eventually later on um head back to australia so i think that's why i was so resistant to to go back was because i it wasn't my plan you know my plan Mm. was stay in europe go and work there for a bit but basically that was my plan because i do think there is that that sort of idea of yeah once someone's gone away and done their time like sort of i've heard people yeah say that a lot actually they've done their time overseas and now they're just taken a bit more seriously back back home i think um uh, so yeah, I think there's, there's an element of that, but a hundred percent, just how my technique improved, how my, all of my skills really improved through my, my studies. Um, I don't think I would have, I don't know if I would have even been up for the job really, um, before that. So yeah, the training is incredible. Yeah. And well, and also, you know, the, the emotional growth that happens when you move countries is enormous, regardless mm. of a language gap or anything else that you yeah. might have to fill. It's, it's huge. Um, can I 
Could I ask as well, just before we jump off this topic, did you have any other, um, can you talk about your visa situation? Did you, do you have a dual nationality or anything or what's it like? Oh, moving to yeah. the UK? I unfortunately am purely Australian, <laughs> just a simple little Aussie. So yeah, <laughs> I wish I had some kind of other passport, but unfortunately not. Um, <laughs> so the UK, it was a matter of, um, getting a student visa it's not too tricky really like eh, and the process is a little bit annoying but it is totally possible like it's it's no problem as long as you've got an offer of study then you can get a student of visa course. for two years mm. and i think now you can even get like um i don't know what it's called but it's like that you can extend it after you've uh, finished your studies so you can stay there actually longer than than just your your course length um so that is kind of no problem um and then yeah for my current situation um once yeah basically i had to have the job first and once you've got a job then it's fairly simple in my experience anyway it's fairly simple mm-hmm. to to get a visa so um at the moment it's just my visas go at one one year at a time um and each time i get my new contract then i have to reapply so right yeah, yeah. yes yeah. yeah, so, but it is it is quite um yeah straightforward in the western european it's, countries it's not certainly. too bad yeah yeah um okay so well before we talk about the Landestheater Linz can we yeah. talk a little bit about competitions because it sounds like they've played quite a key role in your life as a singer sure. um so can you talk about maybe yeah some great experiences that you've had uh maybe some of the things you've learned and uh are they worth doing frankly sure yeah that's that's an interesting one competition so I am not a fan of competitions really I'm not I just I've never been like a a lover of the competitions I've, it's not a great skill of mine like it is for some people here <laughs> I know it's really <laughs> That's it's very much your thing I just I see your I don't know I see your updates and stuff like wow she's so it, it really is a skill it's not everyone can do that um anyway so I yeah my experience with competitions goes back to um you know the, the Stedford in Adelaide um as a very very young nervous singer and I think that kind of that fear always stayed with me you know that that childhood kind of um like performance anxiety that came with those competitions just somehow applied itself to all competitions from then on uh I don't like it I don't like being compared to my colleagues and Mm. being like ranked or or rated or anything it's yeah I mean it's it's art so Mm. it, it is a tricky thing but I see how useful they can be though as well and it's always good to have a few things on your CV and um, you know like many challenges I uh, that, I, that I come across I like to sort of take them on and see what I can do with it if there's something I, I'm uncomfortable with or that I don't particularly like doing I kind of push myself a little bit more to do it because you learn things from that of course you know so um so I guess I worked my way through a lot of the competitions in Adelaide. It's a pretty small world there, really. So, you know, once I got to like, you know, the end of my my undergrad and everything, I, I was winning a lot of those there, which were incredibly useful because they they paid for a lot of my things like the summer schools and, and mm. stuff like that. Um, then I remember probably about the time that I met you, uh, I was about 23, I think, and started doing the Sydney Stedfords starting you know I was like okay maybe I should branch out beyond Adelaide and see see what I can do in the rest of the country and 
it was a terrible experience <laughs> because I just, again, it was that suddenly being a really small fish in a, in a really big pond. And um, I yeah, remember especially that, that age this, bracket yeah. is so competitive. Yeah. Exactly. You know, because, yeah. I mean, a lot of the people listening to this will be con students, uh, Sydney con students. Yeah. But yeah, it's part of their course is to it yeah. is to enter really? some oh, of the okay. Stanford uh, stuff. So that. that's why they're yeah. so, you know, focused. Oh, yeah. These these kids were incredible. Like again, there were like people younger than me doing just this this amazing singing, and I was just like. Pfft. Well, okay. <laughs> oh well, I'm here now. I've paid the entry fee, so let's do yeah, it. Yeah. But I thought, you know, I was like, okay, I'm I, I'm okay though. I, I do pretty well. I'm all right. I've won some competitions in Adelaide, so this will be fine. And I just remember doing one of my sections. I think it was the Australian composer section, and only four people turned up. So there were only four of us, and um, I was like, okay, this is fine. This is easy. And then of course, I got fourth place fourth place out of four <laughs> four people and it was the worst feeling and I was so I was so disheartened which yeah I guess that's that's one of those things about competitions it's like sometimes it does make you feel like oh I'm literally the worst one here you know it sucks <laughs> mm. but yeah you know, I could have given up but I I just kept on trying and kept on doing competitions even though I didn't like them and I did one in uh, in Glasgow, which I, I was in the finals for this one uh, called Yikronis. It's um, sort of associated with the with the college there. So I, I got in the finals for that twice. And then I thought, oh, well, that, OK, this is outside of Adelaide and I'm doing fine. Yeah. So great. Maybe I'll just keep trying. And mm-hmm. and then during the COVID years, I, um, I I suddenly just started doing well and stuff, I guess, because my skills really improved over um, over my master's and then. Um, yeah, and I did. Uh, I got second place in the German Australian, um, and yeah, a few other things like the Royal Melbourne Philharmonic and stuff like that. So, yeah, finally got to a stage where I was like, okay, all right, I, I am not the worst. Or <laughs> 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 contraire, you're the yeah. best or the, the second best. Or, yeah, well, know. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it was great to just feel like, okay, I kept on chipping away at this skill that I didn't particularly enjoy that much but you know I, it was that was a great achievement for me just because I sort of overcame, overcame a bit of that fear so yeah bravissima <laughs> that's great yeah no look competitions are a fitness that is honestly mm. all they are it is just a type of fitness and it's great that that is something that I think Australia does really well is have a lot of competitions and a lot of them have really serious money as well which means that singers can go overseas and do that yeah. essential core training that we all need to do um yeah yeah, no but that's great though and good on you for just you know sticking with it I admire that one one thing about that that I that always that I always found interesting was you know how you say like it's it's great this these um this prizes and this opportunity for young singers to go and study is, is that you know of course the ones who sing the best in those competitions will get that opportunity but sometimes I wonder if it's someone who's maybe not singing the best but has a great potential or has the best worth um, work ethic or something like that who would actually really thrive in in some kind of study that they could then do that that's that's what I just think about of like uh, how can you really really well, know yeah that's where they that really to? fall down I think because yeah. you know there could be I've seen some fab singers with fabulous voices when you know mind-boggling amounts mm-hmm. of money and then just yeah. sort of go ah oh, too hard and just not yeah you know, I mean, yeah. sorry, that kind of that makes it sound a lot worse than it actually is. But, you know, this industry is not for everyone and you yeah. need to have 
you need to have patience and tenacity as well as all yeah. of the other stuff. And mm. there are plenty of singers who, who get lots of money thrown at them who are not tenacious mm. enough to want to stick around and do it, which is fine. I yeah. mean, why would you? It's extremely difficult. Yeah, um, of course. It's not for everyone. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, I, yeah. you know, I do find the competitions that are sort of, you know, 50 grand first prize, 5,000 mm-hmm. second prize. You sort of think, why <laughs> would you not make this more evenly yeah, spread over maybe four prizes and make yeah. the mm-hmm. lives of four singers a lot yeah. easier? Yeah, exactly. The other the other thing is age limits. And mm. that's, that's always oh. something that's annoyed me because... You know, there, there's one particular competition in Australia where I think the age cutoff is 26 and mm. it is because it's to support, you know, young singers mm. um, to go and study. Um, but I never even entered because I knew yeah. that I wasn't singing at that level of them because, you know, my voice was not ready, not at all. And I still went and did my studies, actually starting at the age of 26 and start, you know, starting my studies then. And um yeah, I just think having a cutoff like that or any cutoff really, it was like people develop at different times. So Absolutely. You know. No, I think that ageism is is very distressing. Mm. And, you know, I've aged out of a lot of competitions this year. I'm yeah. 32 and I'm turning 33 yeah. and I'm too old by a couple of months for a lot of them. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, in one sense, you know, my life has significantly less admin in it now, which is great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in it. another sense, you should think, well, you know, is this is this necessary? And also, frankly, uh, I've done a lot of international competitions and you get people from all corners of the earth and I have met people who are definitely in their late 30s or early 40s without question. It is very mm. easy to tell because of how they look, how their hair is growing and how their weight is distributed on their body, yeah. but they're claiming to be, you know, 28 or something and they've yeah. probably got fake papers, which, you know, can is still huh. something that can happen in the world. Yeah. Uh, and look, no shade. Do what you have to do to get hired. I understand yeah. that. But, yeah. It's, yeah, it's sort of it's so it's so absurd, the ageism. Yeah, it, yeah. it just shouldn't be a thing. You know, if mm. you if you are doing the thing, if you're singing well, if you're acting well, if you're doing the job. Yeah. It shouldn't matter. It should not matter. So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of doing the job, how did you mm-hmm. come to apply for and desire Landesteater Linz and tell us yeah. all about your day-to-day, please? <gasps> Absolutely. So, yeah. So, as I said before, when I was doing my master's in uh, in the UK, I really, really wanted to just move straight over to the mainland, start auditioning um, for everything, basically everything. Mm-hmm. I just wanted a job and I just wanted to live in this part of the world basically I wanted Mm. to um, experience the culture and and work on my language skills as well so I was really looking at a German speaking uh, country Mm -hmm. and I had a lot of um, auditions and things lined up actually which then of course all got cancelled one Mm. after the other Mm. Um, (laughs) so that was sad Um, yeah it was really just in that time where I felt like okay I'm ready I'm going to go out in the world and and do it and then it was all cancelled. Um, so going back to Australia, working at OA in Sydney, I still had this sort of in the back of my mind, this little thing ticking away being mm. like, okay, all right, it's nearly time to, to go back. So I was sort of making these preparations kind of, yeah, not not tying myself down too much to Australia um, because I knew that I still had to live this this dream over here and, and do this as part of my, my life and my life goals and everything. So, um, so I applied for a lot of stuff, um, a lot of chorus work, actually. Um, I didn't really mind particularly what, 
what kind of work I was doing as long as I'm singing um, that was always my main goal I just wanted to sing and for someone to pay me for it <laughs> so wow. yeah love that <laughs> so I um, applied for a lot of stuff and got a lot of auditions um, which then unfortunately because a lot of the time they they offer you an audition and it's like in a week's time and I'm like okay great I'm in a contract and I'm also on the other side of the world so can't do it um or you know I would ask okay is it maybe possible to do a zoom audition because of pandemic and stuff like that this was all back in the time as well when Australia was basically locked so Mm. it was almost impossible to go just Mm. just travel anywhere to even get out of the country so um yeah so that was it was tricky because I was getting these good good auditions that I really wanted to do and then had to turn them down Mm. And, um, yeah, I was applying for everything. And one day I just thought, Ugh, okay, application time. Let's see, where have I not applied for yet? Um, yeah, I'll just look on Google Maps. So I hopped on Google Maps, looked around Europe. I was like, look in Germany, Austria. I was like, eh, Linz, that's, that's somewhere I haven't applied yet, I don't think. Hmm, never even heard of it. But, yeah, it looks like, all right, yeah, they've got a theatre, cool. Um, so I just thought I'd, I'd write to them and I wrote to the chorus master and said, Hey, I'm a singer. This is what I do. Um, any chance you need a soprano? And she replied and said, actually, yeah, we've got a, we've got a position opening in September. Um, I'm happy to hear you on zoom if you like. Um, and I said, great, that would be amazing. So did an audition actually from the Sydney Opera House. I was able to book one of the one of the practice rooms there, and and uh, had great, the lovely it's a Mikey, great look. Mikey Curtin play for me. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, I think it helped. <laughs> and um, yeah, and the chorus master um, basically offered me the job on the spot. So incredible. Um, I was like, okay, that's unreal. And I, I didn't know much about it at all. I didn't know much about the theatre, about Linz, whether it was really good quality theatre or you know um yeah anything about it but I just thought hey okay this is this is a ticket out of Australia this is a ticket to get a visa for Europe and Mm -hmm. see how it goes you know I can just try it out for a year and maybe have a base for other auditions and stuff like that and um as it turns out the theater and the company and the people everything is completely amazing and I think I just somehow got extremely lucky and I don't know, by just thinking a little bit outside the square and just putting myself out there, I, I just got the dream, the dream job. So, <laughs> incredible. yeah, so yeah, I can tell you a bit about, um, about what it's like. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a big, it's a pretty big house, actually. It's the second biggest in Austria after Wiener Staatsoper. So mm-hmm. it's, which is way bigger than I expected because Linz is only a, a town of 200,000 people. It's like, mm. it's tiny. Um, but you know, there's this massive like full-time theater. It's brand new. Well, brand new is like 10 years old, the theater itself. Um, so it's a gorgeous building, really nice sound in there on the stage and really, really nice like backstage area as well. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the chorus is 40 people. Um, we work eh, pretty hard a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some periods of time during the, the season where just randomly we won't be needed that much. Um, so like at the start of the season, it was actually quite uh empty like their schedule was quite empty which was pretty interesting and cool and yeah it felt a bit like whoa what are we like what have you been doing for our salary Mm. but yeah in the last couple of months it's been pretty intense so um yeah we just get well we we have to get one day off per week but that can change so Mm. we don't we never know exactly what day we'll be free um but sometimes it's more than that just randomly it's just a bit of a bit of chance 
so uh but yeah like the the productions are amazing so the theater itself um has a like uh, an opera company well okay it's all the same company but it it provides opera ballet musical Mm -hmm. and um plays as well so Mm -hmm. it's basically everything in this one amazing uh company so yeah there's a lot going on all the time (laughs) well yes a big machine lovely and so and you've done some little roles as well as chorus is that normal do you think or is that something that the the Landes Theater does because I know that in certainly in Germany you hear like if you're in the chorus you're in the chorus the end because of Mm. legal things you can't do Mm. minor roles and stuff Uh, is is it slightly different in Austria well I I can't really say what it's like in other houses necessarily but I I think they're always well I, I imagine there would be a thing of like chorus only you know so like Mm. if you're in the chorus and they have like a little you know a couple of bars or whatever like a a non-named role or something they're most likely going to get someone from the the chorus to do it rather than pay whatever fee for a guest to come and do (laughs) it yeah so (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so when i um when i got the contract actually read read through the contract it it has in there you know um up to 12 bars of uh chorus solo you're expected to do that that is part of your job um if you're if your boss tells you mm-hmm. to do that, basically you, that's your job. So, and you don't get any extra pay for that. However, mm-hmm. if it's more than 12 bars, then it's considered a, a, a larger chorus solo or something like that. And then mm-hmm. it's, you get extra pay sort of scaled depending on how big that, that role is. So I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe it's, maybe it's actually possible to get small roles. That's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, a bit of extra challenge. Maybe one day I'll, I'll end up doing that. And then um, before I actually moved over there, I was still in Sydney and my new boss called me up and uh, and she said, uh, yeah, I've got a solo for you. Someone's just pulled out. Um, would you <laughs> would you be able to uh, learn this role by next week? Um, and, you know, I was getting on the plane the next day or something to, <laughs> to head off to Austria. And I was like, yes, yes, I can. <laughs> I'm your girl. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is Manja in uh, Krefen Maritza, which is a fabulous operetta. So much fun. And Manja is the... Um, well, she's the the Vazagarin, like the fortune teller mm-hmm. girl. So it's a it's a very small role, but it's a bit of fun. Gets, she gets a little bit of dialogue, a little bit of singing, and she starts the whole opera. Actually, um, starts the whole piece off. So that's kind of fun to walk out there on the stage, a little smoke, and yeah, you well, know, everything. Have a big moment. And, well, and that's yeah, great that they were willing to. You know, it's not taking a risk because I know how how great you are at, the, at your job, but. Uh, you know for the theater they don't really know you they've never heard you live that's that's a big uh leap of faith mm. for them so it was i think yeah. i was incredibly i felt very lucky that they just trusted me so mm. much i i yeah it was a surprise to me <laughs> to be honest i was like i haven't even started there <laughs> like, how do you know what i'm like but you know i yeah i'm just so lucky that they they thought that was a good idea and and i guess then by doing that and learning it in, in basically on the flight over <laughs> learning the roles that quickly and jumping in doing um you know my best job um then I guess they trusted me more to, to give me Barbarina, which was um, uh, just one show that I did. And it was as a um, Einspringer. So mm. I was jumping in basically for a colleague who was sick and I had a day uh, to revise it. I'd, I'd done the role before, but four years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had a day to, to relearn it, which was a, a challenge. But um, yeah, I just threw everything into it and then jumped yeah, on stage. Yeah, yeah. And Did they keep and that huge recipe in for you? 
like the big yeah, ah no there was that one that was cut mm-hmm. um luckily because it was also cut the last time I did the show yes. so that would have been rather impossible <laughs> yes. I think so yeah no that one that one was cut so but yeah the others were there so I think it was uh sort of three three bits of recit and, and the aria and the finale as well yeah so, yeah yeah no, that was a thrill I'd never done never done yeah. something like that jumping in and and sort of hoping that you got all the the moves right just from watching the video yeah yeah <laughs> you know well the, I find whenever I've done a jump in I've just gone into this zen place like before I so I'm like it will be fine I have decided that it yeah. will be fine and yeah. it always goes yeah. well I think there's something that. great jumping in there's part of your brain that just kind of doesn't come yeah. to the party at all because it's yeah. like you have yeah. to focus go yeah yeah. Uh, exactly. I think that's exactly what happened to me. And I think um, my my boyfriend will uh, will say will say the same. He I think he got a bit freaked out that day that I suddenly went into this this weird mode of like, this weird focus mode. And he was like, "What is happening to you?" <laughs> he was like, "Who are you?" <laughs> it was just yeah. It was a bit a bit strange. But uh, yeah, I think we know what you have to do. You know, mm. we know what we need to do to be able to get your brain to to just get into the right gear and um and yeah be so focused so incredibly focused to you know yeah. get it right <laughs> yeah so. no good on you know that's brilliant one you know i'm sure that means there'll be more more roles mm. big and small for you in the future if that's what you want as well i hope so and i'd love to just this is a totally uh self-indulgent question can we talk about cloud street as well just because yeah. it is Uh, So for the listeners, Cloud Street is originally a book written by Tim Winton. It's his first novel and it is my, without question, absolute most famous book, favorite book that I've ever read in my whole life. Uh, I adore the story so much and uh, Jeff, uh, George Palmer, sorry, made it into an opera, which uh, Adelaide uh, State Opera South Australia then, you know, took on and, and produced. And Gail Edwards yeah. was the director, as I recall. That's it. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about that, creating yeah. creating a new Australian work and a new role on such a big scale? What was that Absolutely. like? Absolutely. Did you see it, by the way? Did you get to see it? I couldn't. I tried, oh, but no, It's I was yeah. a bit, I was pretty skint at that time and flying from yeah, Sydney to Adelaide much. was not, yeah. not, budgetable unfortunately (laughs) totally fair well I um I'm so lucky that I was a part of that production it was the most amazing experience I've had I think um in any thing in anything on stage really so the music is beautiful the music is so gorgeous it's a little bit music theatery like Mm. it's it's kind of it's accessible i think a lot of people just love it when they hear it it's got melodies it's got just beautiful themes that um that have all so much meaning and um just really make you feel something you know so so that's what we were starting with this amazing piece this just beautiful piece by a first-time opera composer by the way <laughs> so yeah it's incredible what what george um created and um yeah this was my second professional job ever you know, I I just turned twenty four, I think, at the time, and um, we were these families. You know, we were, we were playing these these two families basically in the story, and I was one of the children in, of the Lamb family. And uh, Gail, the way she worked with us was I've never experienced anything like it. She she just brought out of us like these something so incredibly real from somewhere so deep down that I, I didn't even know it existed you know it was <laughs> it was really amazing and so the connections we made with each other um with the story and with these these characters and with this time period and and everything that was going on it was so moving for us like we would mm. be 
rehearsing, you know, we'd do like a little rehearsal where we'd just sort of, just sort of work through a scene, like not even in the in the main rehearsal space, but just like down on the floor, sort of um, down by where the director sat and, and we'd just sort of talk through a scene and, and we'd end up crying, just like, mm. you know, six adults, like <laughs> just, just bawling our eyes out together because we... She, she somehow like got this connection with our with us and our characters and um yeah so it was amazing this sort of emotion behind it and then bringing that into the her majesty's theater and bringing it onto the stage where sort of everything was pieced together and this amazing like resolve uh, revolve stage that had sort of showed the time passing over mm. 20 years of the story and it was just magic. It was really, really magical. So that was that's something I will never forget. To get to experience that as a very young singer mm. was just incredible. I'll never forget that. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Yeah, Gail is. Um, I've not had the privilege yet of actually being directed in a, a full scale production with her, but I have done a workshop with her through Pacific Opera, and she mm. does not let you get away with anything. Oh, she's tough. Yeah. She's tough. Yeah, <laughs> but she... in the in an like in the best way. I mean, she's mm. she's an incredible creative genius, really. But yeah, no, the res- the results spoke for that. themselves, a hundred percent. Yes, yeah. Oh, what an amazing experience for you! I'm mm. I'm thrilled. I'm very jealous. And actually, State <laughs> Opera South Australia, if you're listening, I did write to you and I said, "Hi, can I be in the chorus?" And you never <laughs> responded. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's fine. Mm. (laughs) That's brilliant. Um, I'd like to move on to a slightly more general question now about auditioning because you've auditioned in lots of different countries in the world. Do you, have you found that you bring a different aesthetic to different countries? Um, Because sometimes I hear singers talking about, um, I mean, what's slightly more obvious is you bring different areas to different countries. If you're in Italy, bring something Italian. If you're in a German speaking country, bring something German. Uh, if yeah. you're in Austria, bring operetta, you know, if you're f- in French, bring yeah. French, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, apart from those things, do you find, have you found that there's a different aesthetic uh, or different things that they look for in your experience? I would say there are definitely to tell you exactly what those differences are. I think is very tricky because I think it also changes from house to house, like from Mm. company to company. And Mm. also, you know, the, the, the scale of whatever it is you're, you're auditioning for, like you can really tailor every single audition. So I I don't have like a a set, this is my audition package. Mm. This is what I, uh, even my CV changes, you know, Mm. in my CV, I will, edit depending on what I'm auditioning for and where I'm where I'm going so um yeah I I think you have to be a little bit intuitive you have to do a bit of research about you know who who are these people that are going to be hearing you what are they putting on you know what other kind of singers do they normally hire um not not that you should tailor yourself to fit what you think they want that's that's not what I mean but I think just showing the best um showing certain aspects of yourself that might be more fitting to them is, is a good idea. So yeah, it, it's really hard to tell though what that is. Like, you know, I, <laughs> I, I did an audition um, for the Wiener Staatsoper recently actually. And I, um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to bring this, 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 and this. And one of those pieces was a Briton. And some people here that I spoke to, they were like, you're going to bring a Briton to an audition in Austria. Why? Mm. Uh, I was like, oh, I don't know. Isn't it good to, you know, provide one of each language, including English? And they're like, uh, no, no one's ever going to want to hear that. 
so a lot of people had that opinion and then they asked to hear it. So of course they did. They actually, uh, they wanted, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, because it's something different. You really different. don't know. It's something different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and they were just in the mood for that for whatever reason and yeah. and they asked for it. So I, I think it's very hard to tell. You can just ask around a lot though. Like if you can ask people who are maybe from that country or um, have a friend working in that house or something like that, um, you'll just get a bit of an idea. But, you know, it, it's, Yeah it's kind of impossible to say like, this is the right thing for this country. This is the right thing for the other country. Like every single person has a different opinion about what Mm. a particular voice should be doing as well. Yeah. I've been told that I should do everything from, you know, Entchen in, um, in Freischutz to Mimi, you know, some people have said I should do that. So I make my own decisions about what I think suits me, but yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) but everyone will tell you something different anyway. So yeah. That's it. I think you've got to really trust yourself, actually. Just mm. be, just trust your own intuition about about what you should be bringing. Yeah, definitely. I'd strengths. say bring stuff that is that you could sing hungover, basically. Mm. You mm-hmm. know that you feel so confident. Great that, idea. I mean, do not go to your audition hungover. <laughs> Obviously, don't I mean, do that. Um, may have done that. No, <laughs> I don't, uh, maybe not an audition, but I think I've probably sung a performance or two being a little worse for wear i mean <laughs> but that's we, it we that's all it. have you gotta live yeah. <laughs> you gotta enjoy your life too <laughs> you do exactly right you have to enjoy your life otherwise yeah. what's really what's the point i mean there's great people that take things you know take their work so seriously and they i admire that people who can have that kind of work ethic that they put everything into it but that is not for me <laughs> that no, is fair. not for me i like to enjoy my life as well <laughs> yeah and well so do you find then is the chorus is suiting you a lot at the moment do you find that it's less pressure than it would be if you were singing solo you mean i can just turn up to work hungover yeah no <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um it is it is less pressure absolutely a chorus kind of life is a beautiful comfortable life where you can do the thing you love but you don't have that massive amounts of responsibility. Um, of course, you need to still, you know, be responsible for your work and, and the quality of it. But mm. eh, if you happen to forget a word or something like that, or, you know, mm. maybe you're a bit tired one day or maybe you forgot to warm up that day or something like that, it's not the end of the world. And yeah, it, it's interesting because I do see the difference in, in my preparation um, for the nights when I go to sing Manya in Grefe Maritza and the nights where I go to sing, you know, chorus in Forza, which is for the women's chorus is very little mm. and it's quite different <laughs> preparation, you know. Yeah. Um, Forza, I rock up like 10 minutes before the show starts. Cool, sit in the, the, the makeup <laughs> chair mm-hmm. and just like walk on stage, whatever. And then for Maritza, I'm there like, you know, an hour and a half before warming mm. up, getting my cup of tea, um, you know, doing all the all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's, yoga, it's quite a different life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> not quite that far but yeah it's quite a different uh different thing so i'm sure like well i don't know like if you were if you were to ask someone who's in the ensemble i don't know what they what they would um say about it because maybe if you are doing that every day as your normal job it becomes more comfortable maybe mm. it becomes you know you become just way more used to that sort of responsibility mm. and that um that sort of pressure and maybe it's not that that hard really but i see it as quite quite a difference between the two no, no, I'm pretty no. happy doing a nice, comfy Good. Yes. <laughs> life for now. We'll see. I, I mean, I love a challenge. So maybe there will come a, t- a point in time where I'm feeling like, okay, it's a bit too comfy, you know, and I'm mm. pushed to do something a bit more. But um, at the moment, I'm so happy to have a job <laughs> that yeah, I love. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, well, yeah. And, you know, chorus money is great. It's better yeah, than ensemble yeah. money. So 
yeah it's, that's, that's look, really it's great and it's, if you can get a couple of little solos added in there as well it's you can you can do pretty well so yeah, i would so highly recommend that is a thing you know people talk down about chorus a lot I know. or they think like oh okay so you're doing chorus to you know try and work your way into an ensemble somewhere i'm like well i mean that would be cool but i don't have to like it's a good job it is yeah. a good job it's a good life and people don't like even at uni people don't talk to students about that as being a legitimate option like a career path i don't know why because i think a lot of people have more chance of getting doing the chorus kind of career than doing a big solo career like big solo freelance thing it's very hard yeah really really hard to do so it's a great job guys for any students out there thinking huh what can i do (laughs) yeah exactly and it supports you if you want to start a family you know if you want to if you want to live that sort of white picket fence life which is what most people want to do it's a really viable way to do that as well absolutely yeah it's it's incredible like it's you know you still get this exciting cool life where you're on stage every every second night or um yeah but you can actually do that you can you get maternity leave you get sick leave you get we get eight weeks of summer holiday Mm. as well like paid holiday (laughs) in um in july august so you know it's good life yeah it's a very good life i love that yeah that's brilliant um do you have an agent or is that not something you're looking for at the moment no i have never had an agent um i've thought about it a bit but i've never really known like how one goes about that i've actually um just been given a a list of them from a friend though so i've I've been thinking yeah maybe i could just get some videos together and send them off and see what happens but i'm i'm sort of not in a in a tearing hurry to do that because i've got a job you know (laughs) so that would be more of the the sort of like if i want to challenge myself and if i want to look at you know um heading somewhere else um maybe i'd look at that but i think for solo work it's super useful i think it's very very useful especially if you want to do freelance but even getting an ensemble uh soloist job it's it definitely helps so um, for getting chorus, though, I don't think it's necessary at all. The set um, our I think, is quite good for, mm-hmm. um, like, especially for, for Germany and Austria. Um, if you're, yeah, if you're wanting to sort of get in your first job sort of thing, like if you mm-hmm. want to get a foot in the door, that set is is um, is good for that. So. And so just for the listeners, set or Z-A-V in English is uh, a state-run uh, agency. Basically, you can turn up to Germany. It's just in Germany. Uh, you turn up there and you say, hi, I'm a singer. Can I sing for you? And they say, of course, this is our next audition. Please turn up then. And then they, they mostly deal with chorus contracts uh, and they send you around. So, yes, such a thing does exist in yeah. Germany. <laughs> what, a, uh, what a place. Huh? What, a, what, a, what a place. <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay, so we're going to move to our last few questions now because I know we have to wrap up quite soon. But how do you feel about social media? Is it the worst thing in the world or is it useful is it toler- do you tolerate it or do you love it? Oh, good question. I would not say that I love it. Um, I feel like I have, I feel like there's this sort of like strange pressure on maybe not everyone, but I think for a lot of people, there's this pressure that you have to have this presence. Um, mm. And sometimes if I don't do anything on social media for ages, I feel like this kind of stress. I feel like, mm. oh my God, people might forget that I exist or something. Mm. And which is so completely not true. Like nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like there is this weird unspoken rule that you have to sort of 
do stuff and put stuff on Instagram and, and whatever. So yeah, I, I'm definitely not the biggest social media person. I put stories and things like that just for fun. I try and actually think of it as a bit of fun, bit of like, here's a little creative thing, me putting my fun photos together and whatever. And then maybe I'll do one a week and then, you know, that's it. So yeah, I don't know. I think there's this whole hype about it and I don't know if it's really that useful. I don't think I've ever got a single job out of social media. Mm. So yeah. (laughs) Although websites is the other thing. I've just decided actually to remove my website because I hardly use it. And I don't think, I don't know if anyone, I don't think anyone really, well, I don't even look at my like statistics or anything. So I don't know (laughs) if anyone even uses it, but I know that I can't be bothered updating it. Mm. I'd rather just, you know, have my instagram people can find me if people know my name they can find me so mm-hmm. yeah they can find me other ways and i don't have to pay the you know the fees <laughs> the yeah, website bravo. Fees, so yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's as necessary really as people make it out to be just i think people need to actually just find the way that works for them like and and just remember that if other people are doing things a certain way if one person has you know their instagram facebook tiktok twitter podcast blah, whatever everything you don't have to do that as well. Mm. Just make it work for you. If it's draining on your time and energy, then yeah. I mean, the other thing is like seeing other people on social media. So there was a time, I think during COVID where I, I just unfollowed a lot of singers mm. because I would feel so jealous. I would just look at their stuff and be like, oh my God, they're successful. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a failure. <laughs> I'm a loser. <laughs> like, which is so, you know, we all know that it, that's just social media is such a lie and it's anyone can put anything up that they want. So, yeah, it was just not great at certain times. It's been not good for my mental health. So mm. I think, yeah, it's just wise to stay, take a step back and be like, this is not real. <laughs> so yeah. use it if you want, use it if it's fun and if you're connecting to people that way. But it's not a necessity, I think. Yeah, no, I, I actually uh, I, I suffer greatly from jealousy as well. Uh, very, very much. Yeah. Um I talk about it a lot with my psychologist and I also I actually am at the point where I've deleted social media from my devices and yeah, I can good. only log in and Joseph has the password I can only log in when I have stuff to post if it's mm. I you know I'm going to this place to do this thing or whatever Great. that's the only yeah. reason so that that tends to cut out the the doom scrolling for me but yeah, yeah. it's that's a awesome. really key Very key smart. thing and in a an industry which feels I think it is actually less competitive than we we think it is because I think there's mm. actually a lot more work out there than we're led to believe. Mm. But it does really <laughs> yeah. make um, that aspect of it extremely difficult, especially when mm-hmm. people are doing uh, season announcements and stuff. It all kind of happens at yeah. the same time. Yeah, you know, over the same oh, yeah. I know three or four it. weeks <laughs> in a year, and you just think I can't deal with this. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's. Yeah, I know that feeling. It's really like, oh my God, it's, it just makes people feel like they are not as good or something. It makes it, mm. it just makes you feel a bit worthless and it's not true at all, you know? Yeah. Something that people post is not their worth. It's, yeah, it's just exactly. pictures and stuff. So mostly I follow food, uh, yeah. <laughs> food um, accounts and, uh, and like abstract painting and puppies. A lot of dogs. Yep. So I love <laughs> that it. makes me That's happy. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. That's a really nice balance of things. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> what is your fondest performance memory? Oh, I think we'd be going back to Cloud Street, actually. Yeah. 
probably that opening night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, sorry to talk about the same thing again, but yeah, opening mm-hmm. night, Cloud Street. Do you know what? Like the most magical moment is just waiting in the wings and you see like the curtain is going up and you just hear the orchestra just playing the first few notes and it's the magic, like it's the magic in, in the wings. You walk through that into this world that you've created and yeah, I'll just always remember that opening night, which was the first time anyone had seen that opera and they loved it (laughs) that helped Uh, and you know Tim Winton was there as well and yeah that was that was magic that's electric that's so cool um what is the best or worst or both piece of advice you've ever received as a singer oh okay here's a good one (laughs) <laughs> this could actually be the best or, or worst, um, depending on how you look at it. Um, when I <laughs> when I got accepted into uh, the Royal Conservatoire in Glasgow, um, somebody told me, someone I looked up to quite a lot, um, told me I should not go. They said, um, it, this would not be the right choice for you. Um, it would just be a waste of money. It's so expensive. And really, you're, you're basically ready to go anyway. So um, I wouldn't waste your time and money. You'll be locked in to a place for two years and you could be auditioning in that time and working. And it was the best and worst piece of advice because the worst in the way that like, well, I mean, yeah, it's self-explanatory, I think. I mean, <laughs> people need to make their own decisions about what they should do with their lives. But the best in the way that I didn't listen to it, <laughs> the best in the way that it's it sort of made me really think huh, something is, something does not sit right about that. Mm. I think I have to go. I think I really, actually really want to because I was so disappointed in, in hearing that advice and being like, oh, I shouldn't go. No, I'm going to go. I'm absolutely mm. going to do it. And then, and then I went, it was the best thing I could have ever done. It was changed my life. You know, it led to, led me to where I am right now. So yeah. Trust your yeah. gut. I love that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's brilliant. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Karina, for coming on and sharing all of your expertise with us. It's been absolutely delightful to chat to you. And uh, where can people find you on social media? Even though we we hate social media, uh, but where can they find you? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. If you really want to, uh, Karina Bailey Soprano is my Instagram. So um, yeah, that's probably the best way I would say. Just follow me on there if you like or message or... And okay. keep up to date with uh, what I'm doing, mostly stuff at the Landis Theatre Linz. Amazing. And we'll, yes, we'll put all of that in the show notes. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to So You Think You Can Belto. We thank the artists who have donated their time to make this information available to our audience. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast platform and follow us on social media. Our handles and links are in the episode description. If you have a topic you'd like covered a question you'd like answered, or you'd like to recommend a guest, please get in touch with us at soyouthinkyoucanbelto at gmail.com. You can also support us with a little donation which will go towards thanking our interviewed artists. Ciao a tutti! Ciao!